foundation of this work that goes way back before you ever, ever hear that God is doing. And sometimes what happens is there comes a point in time where you can build and actually you can outbuild the foundation of the past, but there comes a time when you have to line them. And, and so the, uh, the purpose of God for this place was not the reason it was built. Does that make sense to you? Now, let me just say a couple of things that are sort of amazing to me. Is that, uh, and I just want to, I want to go back to uh, when I, I don't know where I'm going with this, so that how many just, we're just going to go with the Holy Ghost. And then I'm going to bring you into it. But I remember when Mishler moved to Greenwood because he had these red-haired girls that were sort of cute, Frida, I can't remember all their names. And, and of course, it was like, you know, uh, in the Mennonite circle, you didn't have that many people. So they were close to my age, a little bit older, you know, that so. But I remember, but I never thought that I would ever be a preacher that would preach in a building he built. And that actually uh, my favorite uncle, uh, Milton Schwarzenberger, I think the second or first person buried in the graveyard here. And uh, actually that he walked with my father over the land where my church is now built. And uh, then he came down, was part of this in the later season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So one of the reasons that I was very interested in coming is because of the history. And one of the things that we sometimes need to do, we need to look at history from God's viewpoint instead of ours. He is Jehovah Sneaky. And do you know the things that we think we're doing are not always his reasons, but he'll let us think that until we catch on. So in this, one of the things that I feel is that there's going to be a strong prophetic word before this is over, and I'm just letting it percolate But how many of you know that when the foundation is shifted, that actually then you can build into the next season? I remember working with Joe Byler when I was younger, and it was, uh, I would have been a lot younger, I've been about 37, 40 years ago, or something like that. And, uh, And now Joe Byler was an experienced builder, but I remember him walking, and he was looking at this foundation of this house that was built, and he said, I can't believe that this footer is literally, I think it was like a foot and a half off from the beginning to the end. And he was scratching his head. He said, how are we going to do this? Because the foundation was in, and he was trying to think, how am I going to do this so it doesn't look like the big a mistake it is? Let's try to make this into an advantage. You know what I'm saying? And I could remember him just looking at this, and he said, now how did this happen again? And then, like, what are we going to do with it? Do you know, it's not so important what is, but the thing is, what are we going to do with it? Because we have to keep going forward. In this, let me just give you a couple of examples. God will will have people do things for their reason, but God is really having them do it for his reason, which they don't understand. 
I would just give you the one like Abraham. God is saying, uh, he said to Abram, he said, I'm going to make you a father of nations before he even had a son. Now, this is the part you actually have to think beyond what you need. God has already passed your first miracle need into his vision. Now, when Abraham died, literally, he did not have a nation. But Isaac carried the vision, and in a sense, Abraham was a sense of a father, Isaac a son, and Jacob really represents, I really feel like, the church. He was a heel grabber who became a prince. That sounds like us. Some of you weren't as nice before Jesus. I met you, and I know you weren't that nice. <laughs> I, was asking, I was asking Pastor Tim, I said, what's your background? He said, a sort of pagan. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how he got into a good Mennonite church with that background. But I mean, Jesus is amazing, and uh, he does that for all of us. But when Abraham was believing by faith, and he was believing to be a father of of a nation, how did that play out in his head? When people walked past his tombstone, people could have said, come on, Abraham, you said God talked to you, but we don't see the fruit. But what happened was Isaac passed on the dream to Jacob and Jacob manifested Israel. Israel's not the name of a man. It's the name of Abraham's vision. And what God promised to Abraham, who is the father of faith, now exists Thousands of years later, because God dreams never die. And what I'm saying to you, that we are literally in a generational move going toward the, the greatest and last revival. And God's saying to us, great revival's coming. People are prophesying a billion souls saved. And we feel a little bit like Abraham. We just like to have a church that's full Forget the billion. <laughs> Are you with me? And God's, God's beyond our, our growth of our church, and he's into what he's growing. Now, in it, what we have to do is start speaking what he's speaking instead of just saying we want a son, because if we just focus on trying to have a son, we'll create Ishmael. We'll actually try to help him out, and it doesn't work. And in it, Abraham, the man of the father of faith, um, and, and the Bible says he, he staggered not at the promises of God. Not only will you call Ishmael, but at least call him a good slip. But what does it mean? He staggered not at the promises of God. I'm going to tell you what it means. After Abraham messed it up, he still believed God could fulfill the original promise. He did not discount himself because he tried to help God out. And he still counted himself in. I want to ask you this. Can you still count yourself in in the spirit when your head wants to count you out? Wow. See, you have to count yourself in. And I want everyone to say, uh, we're in this coming revival. Yes. We're in this coming revival. Yep. Now, three people got it. <laughs> but let's just say, say, I want you to say this. We're in this coming revival. And, you know, we probably should scoot a little bit closer together because we don't know when they're all going to run in. Just, it could be dangerous. Now, in it, you will not get what you want. You will get what you expect. 
And so in, in our, our expectation, we have to actually go beyond what we see into what God sees. And so this is going to be a time, I believe, as we go into 2020 of great vision. One of the reasons I like to prophesy to people, and as I'm opening up tonight, is prophecy creates vision for people who've lost it. It also keeps you when you feel like it's not working. I, I want, to, want you to think about this because you have a cross up here. How many know that that precedes the throne? So when you feel like you're being crucified, you're probably closer to your throne anointing than when everything was going your way. When you feel like you're hung out and people are laughing at you, you're just one breath away from your throne days. If you'll forgive and not let what's around you determine who you are. And as Jesus was hanging with more pain than we would know, he still took one more to heaven with him. He did not forget his purpose. He didn't get mad at the people he knew he was, he was dying to himself, but he had enough sense of presence that he brought the one man in. And this is the part I'm going to ask you, when you're having a bad day, can you still bring one more into heaven? Or do you have to have a good day before you can talk about Jesus? Do you have to have ducks on your goosebumps, being led by a river, Angels around you singing hallelujah before you can minister. Or can you actually talk to somebody about a miracle when you feel like you have hell on your back and you don't have the miracle that you're about to believe for them and you're going to talk to them as if they're getting it and you still don't have it. Now, that's an amazing thing. I have prayed for people and they've received miracles I've needed. And I almost want to say, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> the miracle went through me. How not to me? I know none of you have ever thought that. You're better Christians than me. How many of you ever thought, you know, that other person, they're not nearly as committed as me, and you gave them what? And you haven't visited me? Uh, now, I'm sure that's people at another church, but I'm just telling you how they feel. That's none of us. So what, what I'm saying to you is this. When somebody else gets a breakthrough you need, shout as loud as if it was yours because it'll keep yours coming your way. And in it, you don't want to become the elder brother who's jealous. And, and, and you know, I, I've written a couple of books, but I want to talk just one thing about the elder brother. If you really understand the prodigal, the prodigal son, you know this in Luke about the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son had more revelation about the father's, how the father operated, but he didn't know how to operate as a son. He was not a prodigal because he asked for his inheritance. He was a prodigal for two reasons. He spent it without his father and he spent it on the wrong thing. But actually the genius was he knew how to get it from God. You simply ask for it. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And I'm going to tell you why we don't ask 
the right way because we don't ask as if he's our father. So, so I think I might have done this before here. I don't know if I have. So just for tonight, is, is, there, a, is there a man here with a daughter that works the best? Is there a man, a father here that has a daughter here? Okay, so would the two of you come up? These are underpaid actors who actually are going to do excellent. And if you would come up, I just want to show you something that will help you to come into an alignment. So what's your first and last name? Timothy Freed. Timothy Freed? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Timothy, you stand on the other side, and your name is? Katie Roach. Katie Roach. Okay, I want you to stand here, Katie. And, okay, so I want you to just... You just need to say, and, and now I have to look at, the, okay, Timothy Freed. Okay, I want you to just look at him and say, Mr. Freed. Mr. Freed. I have faith. I have faith. In my faith. In my faith. In what I ask. That what I ask you. I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive. Do you like her talking to you like that, Mr. Freed? Normal? Okay, just, let's try this again. I, I'm going to help you. Uh, uh, okay, so let's try this one. Mr. Timothy. <laughs> Mr. Timothy. It's weird. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm asking you. Now, hold it. What's wrong with this? Because I call him Daddy-O. <laughs> okay, okay. Do, do you like Mr. Timothy? Not really. Okay. Now, I just want to just, let's just try this, okay? Uh, put your hand on his shoulder. Daddy-o. Daddy-o. You're the wisest. You're the wisest. You're the strongest. You're the strongest. There's no father like you. There's no father like you. You're awesome. You are awesome. Can I have a thousand dollars? Can I have a thousand dollars? How many of you know this man is already digging in his wallet because the relationship is right? God is so getting tired of being freaked out by his sons and daughters calling him Mr. God. Now, I just want you to stand here, and I, I need you to be honest, okay? Uh, now, this, if everyone would just bear with me just for a minute, I'm going to show you something, okay? Uh, and your name again is? Katie. Katie, now. Katie, have you, have you written th- three books? No. I, I want you to know that I have written three books. I obviously must be more important, okay? <laughs> We're going somewhere with this. Hang in there. Ha- have you traveled the world? No. Have you been in another nation? No. I, 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 four or five or something. Yeah. But Canada does not count as another what, nation. What does it? It does not count. Oh, yeah, it does count. We'll give you credit. But, but I've been there and plus about five more continents. Okay, I must be more important. Now, this is a part. Would you help me buy a car? To help everybody else. <laughs> you help me? How much do you think he would give me? Sign, maybe sign. Not much money. Okay. You, would, would, would you help her buy a car? I already have. Now, now, this is a problem right here. You've helped her, but I'm more important. Did you hear what I just said? God is so tired of us trying to be more important instead of being a daughter to the Father. 
and we're freaking him out by trying to be more important. And he said, would you just be a son and a daughter? Would you let me live with you? I don't, I think you, I think after about a week or two, you get rid of me. Could she live with you? Okay. See, see that, see what I'm saying is this. When you're a daughter to the father or a son to the father, you have privileges. Do you know that if I go into his house and open up the refrigerator without, that's rude. But if I go in and open it up, it's like, like, what are you doing? That's my refrigerator. If she comes home, or if you had a son, God forbid, if he came home with a couple of too many beers half drunk, they would still let him open the refrigerator. It's better to be a son that's not perfect than a perfect orphan in the father's house. What, what am I trying to get you to see? You have leverage with God our Father. My daughter came up to me and said, you know, we know the Psalm 23. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And my daughter Heidi said, I think the hallowed name of God is our Father. We said tonight, Abba Father. What does it say? It's by the Spirit we cry, Abba Father. I'm going to tell you why. It's not out of our brain. It's not out of even our spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit in me to say, Abba Father, and believe it. To really believe that he is my father. Now, and you may say he's father God, but till you really believe that you were created out of his genius, you'll never ask for his best. I would never ask him to buy me a car, but I would ask my father, my natural father. She has much more privileges with him than I ever will have. Being important is not important to him. Being important is not important to him. Being a son and a daughter is everything to him. Now, have you ever seen this? When this relationship gets right, then everything she has access to. How many of you have ever had as a parent, you're checking out, and I don't know why they put the candy at the kitty level at Walmart, but as they go out, Acme, they put the candy down there. And you know, it's like if little Johnny's going out with you and you were planning on buying him a candy bar, but what he did, he picked it up, threw himself down the floor and started crying. Right now, you decided no candy bar. And if the woman behind says, that's all right, I'll buy it. You pull out your gun. You don't even buy it because you're going to cause me to have a brat. You wanted to give him a candy bar, but when Johnny acts like that, if I give him a candy bar, he's going to have a learned behavior. Do you know there are certain prayers that God wants to answer, but we're trying to be real important. God, am I doing enough for you? Please give me the breakthrough. And God said, if I give them a breakthrough, they'll never be a son or a daughter. They'll always be a servant. They'll always be in bondage. They're always going to be performing to get my... They're going to think it's because... They didn't know I was going to give it to them because I loved them. Can you imagine Christmas? If you had children and you said, I got all the Christmas presents under the tree, uh, but all of you have to work for the week before you can open them. How many of you know that's not Christmas? And if, if one of the children say, well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll open up my gift, but I have to go out and clean my room. I have to snuggle show. Have I done enough to earn the gift? 
You can't earn that gift. You have to what? Re receive. So what I'm saying to you is this. Whenever we try to be important, we actually put the father off. And really, when I try to be important, what it is, it's actually insecurity on steroids. Insecurity is the root of all pride. Humility is the foundation of being in his love. And you just can't shake it out of me. Now, how many of you ever had days where you wake up, you didn't feel as great about yourself as you did when you went to bed? You know, if something happened, you, you're not happy with what you've done or how you've done it. How many know God actually has a better opinion of you than you do at that point? When you're down on yourself, he's still up on you. Now, let's give these underpaid actors a hand because they did really good. Okay. And the $1,000 is on the way. I just, I feel it. Now... <laughs> yeah. So what I want you to do, one of the things that I want you to do, encourage you to do, is when you start to pray, is say, Father God, and say your name. I know that I'm a privileged child, son or daughter. You can put that in. And so I'm asking for the best. I want you to put your hand over your heart and just put it just over your heart, your whole being, and, uh, and just say, out of his genius, he created me for a special purpose. There'll never be another me in this earth. I'm God's one shot. It's something very important. What I've been saved from is not as great as what I've been saved for. How many of you didn't throw something out because you had a plan? Saving it was not really the goal. What you were going to use it for was. You weren't just trying to see how much stuff you could save. Everything you saved, you were thinking for a purpose. How many think God is at least as brilliant as us? So if we save stuff, and then that, that's the way it works. Uh, I'm going to just prophetically just do a couple of words here uh, because it just sort of intersects. Uh, the, the guy that was singing on the, the guitar right there, uh, what's your name? Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, when I was looking at you, now I don't know if this naturally happened. Have you recently just been driving a vehicle and it ran out of gas? Has that happened to you in the past where a, that happened at a, at a critical time or something? It happened to family of mine. Like, <coughs> What's that? It happened to family of mine. Okay. And not to a, your, your, you're saying to your family. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know why, but when I was looking at you, I felt like there was, in this some, I asked the natural first, but then I go after the spiritual. But I felt like I saw this empty gas tank, and I felt like uh, God was filling your gas tank up again. Now, let me just explain something to you. This does not mean failure, but often what God will do is he'll fuel us for the next season. So when we come to empty, it's not just a thing of filling it back up. 
but it's like new wine and a new wineskin. It's new gas for the next leg of your journey. And I felt like the, like, uh, the number 30, Joseph in favor. How old are you right now? 23. Okay. You, yeah, okay. I figured you're a little bit younger, but I thought you were a little bit older than that. I feel like the next seven years, God is literally going to work a favor and you're going to experience the lift of Joseph where you feel like you've been overlooked and sold to a place where you're blessed. And uh, you have to remember that Joseph was not liked by his own brothers. I'm not talking about your brothers and nothing about them, but I'm just going to say this. You're never a Joseph if everybody likes you. And really, to be a Joseph, you have to feed people in your family who you heard talking about killing you, and they let you off by selling you. Until you've been sold by somebody, you can't be a Joseph. And this is the deal. It can't be somebody who's not a a heathen. It has to be somebody who's a brother in Christ. God had to look a long time to find some people to sell you that were family. I can tell you're really excited about that. Well, you were praying less of me and more of you. And God said, I'll help them. See, if a witch gave you a hard time, you'd get over it like. But if it's somebody in your own family, then it makes everything a real test of your heart. How many of you know that when somebody shorts you out, you actually would enjoy seeing them starve a little bit? I mean, I know that you would never pray this, but some, get them, God, get them for me. That's not enough. Get them one more time. How many of you ever felt like that? That is the natural thing we all deal with. Now, I really feel like this, that God wants to get you past, uh, uh, get you past the hurt into a healing and into a place of authority and favor. And I felt like the wind of the Spirit was actually pushing you forward into the Father's heart. And I felt there's going to come a wholeness to you you've never experienced before. And there's going to be a realm of authority. I know seven years feels like a long time, but just talk to anybody over 50. It's not that long. Okay. And just watch how God... Seven is also the number of perfection. 30 is the time of anointing. And I really felt like God said... Pay attention to these next even two years, how I take you forward. You're going to witness my power in your life and answered prayer. I even felt there was in two years, there was something being restored back to you that had been stolen. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that right now. I also felt like five years from now, I felt like I saw you step through another door. So when you hit 28, I feel like literally, I I don't know if you're going to have another house uh, uh, are you married? Yes. Okay. I, so I'm, I just wonder if you're stepping into another whole house because uh, is your wife here? She's not. Okay. But, but, but what I, I, so you can share this with her, but I feel there's something you're about to step through and just watch the grace of God come in a powerful way. Um, I felt like I was looking over here. Um, now, where was the drummer? The drummer is, did I see the drummer? Is he taking care of the kids? Is that one of yours? I thought so. I was looking. I said, that has to be somewhere between Willard and Tammy. If, if he comes up, I just want to, if he comes up, I just, 
if you can get, get him. Um, but what I felt while he's coming, uh, this man right here with the glasses, what's your name? John. John uh, are you married, John? Okay, and your wife is? Okay, right over there. I, I'm assuming that this is not a sign of an argument, that you're a little bit further, that, that it's kids or something. Oh, it's coffees between. Okay, that's okay. I just, I just always like to check on these things. Okay, just the past. Now, how many know you have to have fun? Okay, so, so John, right? And John and Amanda. John, first of all, I felt like I felt like I was seeing you like a plumber and you were fitting these things together. But it's like, have you ever been where you needed a, a coupling and, and it was three quarters and, and you needed an inch? And all you have was three quarter couplings. And I felt like this. God said, what feels three quarters done is about to inch forward. And it's not going to be really fast, but God said, I'm making something fit that you don't have to connect. And I felt like God is even going to release a promotion to you to connect to something larger that's going to help you go forward. And I even felt like God's going to even cause your skill set to increase. Uh, I feel there's, there's more on-the-job training that's coming your way, and you're going to shake off the past and shake into your future. So, Lord, I just thank you for that, for John. And, Amanda, I felt like I, felt like I saw, this is very different, I felt like I saw you take, and, and it was like you slapped these papers down on a nursing station, and you said, okay, we got to get this job done. And, uh, and I'm sort of like, whoa, Amanda, you know, <laughs> chill a little bit. And uh, I felt like you're sort of a black and white person. It's like there's no gray. It's yes or no. Don't give me a maybe. And, and the Lord said, I'm giving you a determined vision to stand in the storm and to see my glory come. And I felt like this, that as long as you know that Jesus is in your boat, you know it can't sink. And I felt this, uh, that there's, there's somebody you're believing for, and God said, your, your faith will outlast the storm, and the boat will make it. The person's going to make it because Jesus is in that boat with you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that anointing. Also, I saw you waking up with a dream, like a dream from heaven. And when you got that dream, it's like it brought a supernatural peace. Now, I know, I know you're in Delaware, and I don't know why, but I, uh, let me ask you this. Because when I look at you, I keep seeing Pennsylvania or PA. What's, what's the deal? Pennsylvania, okay. So right now, and that's, was that where you were born? No, I was born in Jersey. Jersey, okay. But what I want to say right now, I declare the fire of God on your family roots, on your family tree. I speak the anointing of God to go over your parents in Pennsylvania. I speak a God visitation to them, and I thank you, Lord, that every religious spirit that's tried to hold them back from the glory of God or anything that you've ordained for them, I just say a breaker anointing over them in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, for that in Jesus' name. Let's just see what God does. And do you agree with that? that, that okay. Sometimes people look at me with big eyes and I say, yeah, that, okay. We, okay, we're interconnected. Okay. Uh, when I looked at you, I said you had to be somewhere between Willard and Tammy, and I figured that out, and so you're like second cousin half-step or something, okay, which all of my cousins are good with instruments, uh, just no brag, just fact. Anyway, now, <laughs> uh, say your first name again. 
Nathan, Nathan, I felt like when I was looking at you, I felt like this is going to be a time of like expanded vision. Now, I don't know why when God gives, I'm, I'm not trying to guess anybody's age. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's ahead of them. Sometimes it's behind them. But I only say what, I, I just have to say what God says. So I want you to understand when I do this, it, it has nothing to do with how old I think anybody is. Okay, because you remind me, but when I was looking at you, I just kept hearing 17. Now, you're the kind of guy that could be 18 or 14. I have no idea. You know, you could be 21, 22. You know, how old are you? 15. Okay, I figured you're sort of, I figured that. I just felt like this. I felt like I saw you at 17, and I felt this is going to be a time that God actually opens up your heart and you're going to start having, uh, I felt like you're going to have a visitation of the Lord at 17 that's going to actually uh, open up part of the call on your life. And the Lord says, I want you to be watching. And, and 15, and the number is two. Two is a witnessing number that you would start to witness what God has for you. But I felt this. God said, there's a teacher anointing on you. You're going to know how to teach the word of God. You're going to know how to worship. I know you're playing drums, but I felt like I also saw you playing guitar. Do you play guitar? Okay. You're learning. I really feel like you really need to do that because you need to be able to uh, be multi-instrumental, uh, so to speak, ambidextrous, but I feel like there's a real Davidic anointing on you and your worship is going to be really crucial. And I feel like this, your worship's going to take you into a spirit of revelation. So you're going to teach not just what you learn, but what he shows you. And so, Lord, I just release that anointing. And I, and I also feel like that there's going to be, uh, that you're going to have a, a tremendous impact on other youth. And I also saw your feet on foreign soil, and you're going to start seeing the power of God in an unusual way. So, Lord, I just thank you that you take him into the wind of the Spirit, and I just put an anointing over him, and I say your hand is on his heart for his, for his future in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as, as, we're, as we're teaching and ministering, and we're just going to take a little bit of time, we have three services uh, that we're going to be ministering. But I want to I say a couple of things more is this. In this time, as we go through this weekend, I really want you to come before the Lord and just say, Lord, where am I at right now with you? Do I, do I need to move just a little bit closer? And then the, the, the next thing is the intimacy part. But the second thing is, Lord, show me what my purpose is in this next season. I want to remind you that David was a worshiper, but it never changed Israel until he became king. It changed the battle with Goliath, but actually Israel did not worship under King Saul. It was David who brought back the ark, something of the covenant, something that really... Uh, Saul, it was not a, it was like he didn't really value it. And David brought the glory back into Israel because he had a, per, a personal worship life, he could do it. But until he became king, he couldn't actually do it. Does that make sense? 
the worship life, personal worship life, allowed him to bring the glory of God in. But until he became king, it wasn't his thing to do it. So what happens is God is anointing you before you get your position so you have the ability to do the thing that he's already done in you that affects everything around you. So what I want to say to some of you, it, uh, uh, this, this man sitting right there, what's, what's your name? The, no, the, the dad, yes, Mike. And I'm going to get there. I'm going to come there, Derek. Uh, Mike, and that is your wife to your left side, right? Yes. Okay. Now. Yeah, okay. And because uh, if, if it wasn't, I was going to tell the pastor you're sitting too close. Okay. Anyway, so I just, we, we, we go both ways here. Uh, and, you, and her name is? Carolyn. Okay. Carolyn, right. Okay. Uh, Mike, first of all, I felt like God was saying to you, son, I'm giving you an anointing to break through. And the Lord said, it's not just for you, but it's for you to bring to other people. But the Lord said, I want to give you a strategic victory in this coming season that launches your faith to believe for other people to break through. And I want to remind you this. Until David defeated Goliath, the Israelites did not see it as a possibility but after David did, we see the other ones going down at a whole level in that generation. And I felt like this. God said, the victory is not just concerning your personal need, but I want to give you a reputation of faith. And then I want to give you faith to use for other people that need the same kind of breakthrough. And the Lord said, I'm pouring new oil into your vessel and you're going to start feeling the anointing moving you that where you speak into people's hearts, it leaves a deposit of anointing that literally breaks them into another season. And uh, I just want to say this to you. I had a good friend of mine who said to me in a very troubled time, he said, I have no faith that I'm going to make it. And I just looked at him and I said, I have faith you're going to make it. Use mine until you find yours. And I see you doing that. Somebody says, I don't think I can make it. I have faith. And when they left, I said, I started praying. Because in my mind, I couldn't figure it out. But you know what? He did. He made it. He made it through that place. And so... So what I, I want to say is that God is giving you a breaker anointing to help somebody. And I felt, uh, Carolyn, this is going to be a time. I, I, I don't know why, but uh, um, have you ever seen, it's sort of a, a funny thing, but where uh, people will, I saw these white tennis shoes, and they're almost standing beside, and somebody was tying them, and it was like they tied the laces between the two shoes so you couldn't walk. And, and, you know, it's sort of like a little bit of a, a Keystone Cop kind of a joke. But I felt this, that I, I don't know why, because the, because, the, uh, because the tennis shoes were white, the way I saw them, it reminded me something almost like in a, the medical field, nursing field or something. But I felt like there was something being tied that you could not take the step you needed to, but God was relacing it so that you had the freedom to walk forward 
and to operate at another dimension. And I felt this. God said, don't untie it. Speak to it. This is going to be a speaking, declaring that's going to untie where the devil's tried to literally hobble you, where you felt like you had to hop around instead of walking. And it's like that your ability to move in the sphere that God has given you, I almost felt like somebody tried to hobble you. It's You know, sometimes this might be a funny thing, but when you get a promotion, sometimes other people hope you fail so they can get that job. They really don't want you to make it. And, and sometimes even people over you that are nervous you might take their job, they'll put things on you that are unreasonable trying to break your success or to put some failure at your back door. And I just felt like God said, I'm giving you a walk in the spirit that's going to be above uh, reproach. I also felt this. I felt like the breath of God's anointing is going deep inside of you. And I saw it breaking three shadows from your past. And where the devil had tried to put shadows over you, these three shadows. And God said, I'm blowing out the last remnants of those three dark shadows. And the Lord said, you're going to see yourself as a daughter dressed in white, anointed like Queen Esther to step up and turn the table on the enemy. And God said, those things were to try to steal your confidence, steal your voice, steal your authority and your identity. And God said, it did not work. I felt like I saw the two of you walking into a jubilee that what had been stolen was being returned. And so I speak in the name of Jesus, a restoration to the two of you that literally will be a phenomenal testimony of God's goodness in Jesus' name. And so I bless you. I wanted to, if you, and if I should have told you when I prophesy, if you have an iPhone to record, I, I'm assuming, I wanted to just say something to Derek while he was there. Uh, Derek, um, I saw you, you know, the old thing with the pencil behind the ear kind of a thing. And I saw you like you're the kind of guy you, you think a dream and then you start writing numbers and writing numbers. But I saw something different. It was almost like a mechanical uh, engineering pencil. And I feel like there's a real building anointing on you. You're, you're going to be a builder. I felt you're going to sketch. You're going to design. You're going to have the what I call the, uh, the blueprint, the structure, how things come together. And, and there's, a, there's a very strong managerial anointing, but you also have a creative edge to put things together like an engineer. And I felt like that, that in this, there's going to be things you pursue, but I also felt this, God is putting a, a prophetic voice in you, and you're going to start knowing things by the Spirit Things are going to come to you, and you're going to look at somebody, and you're going to say it, thinking, is this me, or is this God? Or, and, and God said, you'll never know until you start to speak it. And uh, I, was, uh, I, I was talking to a friend <laughs> just the other day, and uh, I don't know why, it just come to me, and, and he, was, he was in his car, and uh, I heard just a little something, a noise, and I just said, John, I said, uh, I said, uh, did you get your Chinese food yet? And he stopped. He said, are you, in, are you here? He said, because I just got my Chinese food. And so, so and I was just laughing, and, and we were just talking about it. And uh, then I called him up. Was it well, yesterday? I just, we were, and I, I just said to him again, I said, so, John, you got your Chinese food? He said, you're creeping me out. He said, I'm there right now. 
And he took a picture and sent it to me. He said, do you have a palm in my car? What's going on? But, and you know what's funny is, it just would come to me almost as a natural thought, but I started realizing, and I'll get into some of this tomorrow, God gives us not just words, he gives us thoughts. Because we have the Spirit of God, we have the thoughts of God. Okay, so let's just see how that goes. I wanted to come over and, and say something. Carl, Carl and Susan. Carl, I just felt like this. When I just looked at you, I felt like I saw a car going past you, like on a highway at a high rate. And it was very close to you. It went past you. And it's almost like the idea was you were very safe, but in the natural mind, I would have been concerned that if you would have turned the wrong way or if you got any, any closer to that pickup, like the mirror or whatever could almost hit you. It was that close. And I felt like this, uh, part, two different realms. I felt this, uh, in the natural, I just wondered if you were almost ever hit by a vehicle. Because, I mean, is that real to me? Have you ever, have you ever had a car almost hit you? What's that? Yeah, okay. Have you ever had one that went by you where it didn't hit you, but it came that close? A school bus. How old were you? Okay, but the, I, what I felt was, it's almost, you remember those California mirrors that would stick way out? It's almost like I felt that if you had turned sideways, the mirror would have just hit you in the face. I mean, it was just that close. But, but I felt like this, um, that you need to know, Carl, there, that God has had an angel watching over your life. Otherwise, you would not be sitting in front of me. And the Lord said, I want you to understand I didn't bring you through something without bringing you to something. And I felt like I saw you put your foot into another level of Judah. And God said, you're going to worship in another dimension. And the Lord said, you're going to know what it means to be caught up in the spirit as you step into worship. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things. I also felt your dream life is going to turn into technicolor. You're going to start dreaming things, and then some things you'll share, some things you'll pray. And so, Lord, I just release a dreamer anointing, and Lord, that you take him into another dimension. And Susan, right? Susan, I felt like I saw you standing on top of an old 33 disc. You know, you know everybody over 40 knows what they are. You know, an actual radio, a vinyl I guess they call them vinyl now. We call them 33s. But I felt like I saw your feet standing on the label of this, of this album. And it was like on the turntable and you were just spinning. And I felt like God said, it's your time to sing again. And I saw you starting to worship. And something, and, and, and when you lifted up your voice to start singing, what I sensed was you were singing songs off of this album. And in it, I saw literally chains breaking. I'm not putting you, uh, I'm not thinking so much the worship team. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking this, that you're going to start to sing into people's future. 
And I felt like that you're going to, you don't know this yet. Maybe you've done it some. I felt like you were going to be praying for somebody and all of a sudden you're going to start singing part of a song over them and say, this is what I hear the Lord singing over you. How many of you believe that God sings songs of deliverance over us? So, you know, a lot of times we just think that worship is this way. He, whatever we do, he does. So we worship him to get free, but he's also singing over us to get us delivered. I just wonder what God is singing over you. And I feel this. Uh, I don't see it, but I felt like I saw you playing like a regular piano. Do you ever play a regular piano? What's going on? For one year, okay. Yeah, I, I, I want to just say this. I feel there's something, I'm not saying you're going to be a concert pianist, but I feel for your worship life, there's something connected to actual keyboards that is part of a dream and part of a worship and part of singing in the spirit. And in it, I feel like you're to stand in another level of worship. Now, I find it interesting, I'm saying it to both of you, but I feel this, there's something that will not move, but when you both worship, it cannot hold you back. And I felt there was a shattering. And in it, I want to give you the one story. When, when Paul and Barnabas worshipped, chains fell off of every prisoner. It fell off the guilty prisoners. You know why nobody ran? Even a prisoner has enough sense. We heard them sing and chains fell off. Ain't nobody moving. We all scared. <laughs> Everybody's afraid. I don't care where you're from, north, south, east, and west. How many of you know that's a song service you'll never forget? And I'm sure it wasn't because they sang that bad. <laughs> you know, you think about that for a minute. You know, everybody in the whole prison, like, I'm telling you, if in Delaware State, if chains fell off and they didn't hear people singing, they'd be gone and before, are you with me? So, I mean, we're talking, but I felt this, chains will fall off the guilty because of your praise and watch your household be saved. I just feel there's a promise there for you guys. So, in Jesus' name. Now, as we wrap up tonight, and I, I was... I actually do, I did quote scripture, I just didn't tell you where the scriptures were. But I know you're smart enough, you can look it up in the Bible and know that I was biblical. And tomorrow I'll give you a couple more scriptures. But one of the things as we end tonight, because we have three different services, and I want you to be able to come back tomorrow and be fairly refreshed, is this. First of all, I, I sort of want to go a little rundown. We'll, we'll have just a couple of minutes here. Uh, to sell books. We have all four books. I do believe we have all four books for $40. And we do have a Jehovah Visa machine. That means you have faith to pay tomorrow what you buy today. And uh, I, I know that not everybody's read my David book and, uh, and David perceived he was king. I really want to encourage you to read this. I, I just, uh, 
I was just talking, I, I will talk to different people and they will say, this book changed my life. It shifted me into my future. And I always tell people, if it doesn't change your life, I'll give you your money back. But you have to find me. That's all I'm saying. But if you find me, I'll give it back. That's the deal. <laughs> Seriously, I, I would. And uh, I've had people from all walks of life say what it's done from business people, worship leaders. I could go right down the line. And, and I wrote the book by revelation. I'd get up sometimes in the middle of the night, write 15 minutes, sometimes four hours. When the, when the anointing would lift, I'd stop writing. And, and I can read it and actually learn things. How many of you have prayed so well you want to write it down so you can pray it again? Do you realize that's not you praying? Because if it was you, you'd know you can repeat your own prayers. But the one the Father prays through you is the one you can't repeat unless it's on tape. How many of you have given advice that's so good it actually is helping you, but you pretend like you knew it all along? You see, that's not your advice. That's the Father's advice. I'm going to say this to you. It's one thing to know that God is a warrior, but David knew that God was a warrior through him. That's a different dimension. It's one thing to believe that God can heal. Oh, no Christian would argue that at all, but do you believe that God can heal through you? That's another dimension. And what God, I want you to think about this. You know the scripture. We abide in him and he abides in us. Now, how does that work? That's why we were made in image and likeness. So he could live in me and I could live in him. And in him I live and move and have my being. And when the I am is in my being, something really starts happening. You were created for greatness. You were created for the greatness of your father. Don't ever settle for anything less than astounding. Even when it's not noteworthy, it's still powerful. And so what I want to do as I end tonight, I want you just to, I, I want you just to think about this. I'm going to end with one thing and we're going to cover it. If you had to tell somebody what your identity was, what would, it, what would you say about who you are? Now, I know you're a Christian. If you're not, we'll cover that. You should, we should go there. That's the first thing. But if once you know you're a Christian, what part do you play on the team? Do you know when they give people contracts in baseball, they don't let them pick their position? They don't go out in the mound and say, hey, you, you thought about pitching lately? Well, I'm in left field, but I think I could do it. How many of the guy in left field can throw pretty hard? He throws really hard. He throws about 20 feet wide. But he throws just as hard as the pitcher. His expertise is not curves. It's distance. Find out your position. Get a little bit better. And watch what can happen in the church. If you are the door greeter, be the most phenomenal door greeter. When people walk past you, leave the Holy Ghost on them. And love and joy. If, if you're the Sunday school teacher, if you're the usher, worship leader, give yourself to being better. If you're the sound, the sound guy, and, and we all know that, that if you're on sound, you have to have control issues. You know what I'm saying? You have to have control issues. You know, 
And you actually have to enjoy it. And actually, the only time people talk to you is when it's too loud or too quiet. God bless you. The blood of Jesus covers you. Anyway, so <laughs> how many of you know that's true? That is what I'm saying is. So there's a special blessing for that. So I want you to just put your hand on your heart. I'm gonna, we're going to stop tonight with this. And I want you to think of this. Everybody say, no false humility here. Father God created me for greatness. Reveal it, Holy Spirit, so you can work through me to touch other people. I want to remind you this. It says in my book, and David perceived he was king, that God had established him as king over Israel, not for his identity crisis, but for the sake of Israel and God's kingdom. God never anoints somebody for their own benefit. He always anoints somebody for somebody else's benefit. The anointing on your life is to make you more effective with other people. Let's all stand up to our feet. Let's give Father God a big clap offering. Hallelujah. And I want you to say this. His greatness is in me. And I'm getting comfortable with it. Now, one of the things is, and I just as we get ready, I had a young man come to me and he said, you know that prophecy thing, Dale? He said, you're really good at it. And you know, there would have been a day I said, oh, it's nothing, praise the Lord. But after I got more revelation, you know what I said to him? I said, you're right. That's what I was made for. I only have one question. What were you made for? Because whatever it is, it's really great. We don't talk about greater than somebody else. I said, whatever's in you is great. Whatever's in me is great. Greatest is a talk for insecurity. I don't need to be the, I don't need to be the best. I just need to be me. Best is based in insecurity. Great is based in him. Best is when I think about you and me. Great is when I think about him and me and him and you. Everybody said great. When you look at him, believe for great because anything else actually discourages him. When you start believing for great, you're saying, use me. I'm open. I know I'm not worth it, but you signed me up. You cleaned me up. Not just to go to heaven, but to let some heaven hit earth and change, break hell off of somebody. And I believe that kind of anointing is coming. So I, I'm going to tell you something. You are agents of somebody's miracle. Amen. So that's where we're going this weekend. So Pastor Tim, I'll turn it back over to you.